Hi, and welcome to episode three of DisabilityIreland.com's new weekly podcast. This is a podcast where we welcome local people on to discuss their own personal experiences and provide valuable insights into various medical conditions. And we'll also be welcoming on local health campaigners who are fighting for better services and treatment to be available across the island of Ireland. So on to this week's this week's episode. Following the amazing response from our first episode, we thought we'd do a follow-up podcast with Carmel Finnegan, who I remind you, for those who have yet to listen to the first episode, is a West Limerick woman who is campaigning for brain cooling facilities to be put into every maternity hospital in Ireland, as opposed to the current total of four, of which three are in Dublin and the other one is in Cork. So we thought we'd do a different angle to the first episode and we are joined by Laura Collins, who is a mother whose newborn baby needed this essential head cooling treatment. And we hear from Laura about her experiences into the treatment and into some of the anguish and difficulties that having her newborn child transferred to a different hospital immediately after birth than the one she was recovering in had. For the podcast, we decided to do it a little bit different and we thought it would be a good chance for Carmel and Laura to do the talking. And I apologize in advance for the slight echoey sound issue that we had at the start of the episode. So let's get on with this week's show. Can you tell me a bit about your pregnancy? Was it straightforward? Yeah, I had a very straightforward pregnancy, Carmel. I really loved being pregnant and no complications from that. But when I was about 40 weeks pregnant then, I was diagnosed with um, reduced amniotic fluid. So at that point, the decision was made that I would be induced. Okay, okay. And can you take me back to when your baby boy was born and circumstances surrounding his birth? Yeah, so because I was induced, um, the doctor had recommended that with the reduced amniotic fluid that I would be monitored very closely and I suppose perhaps being induced, they kind of expect, you know, it can be longer than, than a natural, um, naturally going into labour. But for me, I had gone into labour very, very fast. So I was only in labour for about two and a half hours, which meant my son was born a lot quicker than anticipated, really. So um, he was born within 30 minutes of arriving at the labour ward. And while I suppose to put it into context, we know that there, this was unusual, you know, it was just what was happening at that time. So we weren't aware that um, my son had actually suffered HIE um, just in the last 17 minutes of labour, really. That's okay. Okay. And just for, I suppose, our listeners this morning, HIE, the medical term is hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, but basically it's a lack of oxygen during birth and it's a form um, a form of brain damage essentially. When did you first become aware that um, your little boy needed brain cooling? Um, it was about four hours after he was born that we became aware he was going to be sent for the brain cooling treatment. So after he was born he had been taken to the neonatal unit in the maternity hospital and um, at that point you know we were aware that he needed some support with his oxygen levels, but um, we weren't aware of, of the, the injury he had suffered, really. But um, I was back on the ward and 
doctor came to speak to me and he kind of highlighted that he was concerned that my son was displaying some abnormal um, behaviours and he described them as seizure-like behaviours. So um, about an hour later, you know, in, straight away we knew there was concern, but there was still no confirmation that he was going to be sent for brain cooling. So about an hour later, um, a consultant came and he confirmed then that my son needed to go for this treatment and he confirmed that um, he expected there was a mild HIE. So I'll never forget the term that the consultant used with me because I suppose my son, it was um, it was clear from the start that it was mild HIE he had suffered and that was what they were expecting to treat him for. And the term he used really was that if it was my baby, I would send him. So they needed my consent at that point to send him. So um, about about four hours after he was born, he was um, being sent. Yeah. Okay, and that I can I can only imagine that was very frightening at the time. You're just after having your little baby, and you know to to hear this. And have you had you ever heard of brain cooling prior to this, Laura? No, no, I had never heard of it before. No. Okay, okay. And um, so they had told you that your little boy needed the brain cooling. And how soon after then um, was your son transferred? Um, he was transferred. He, he arrived in Cork. He was transferred to Cork University Maternity Hospital and he arrived there um, just close on six hours after, um, after he was born. So he okay. just made that window, yeah. So just for for the listeners, the treatment, it's recommended that um, a baby needing this treatment started within six hours. So he made it within the, the six hours anyway. So when he was transferred then, how soon after were you transferred yourself? Um, I wasn't transferred until the next day. And I suppose just... For the listeners as well, this was one of the biggest challenges for my husband and I. Um, I had been initially told that um, I would have an ambulance transfer to be with my son, but then it was changed to taxi transfer. And after, I suppose, a really difficult wait, eventually I I was allowed to leave of my own accord and make my own way to Cork. So um, I decided at that point that I would go when a family member drove me. So it was nearly five o'clock the next evening by the time I was reunited with my son and my husband. And that was, we had been apart for probably about 17 hours at that point. Okay, and that's, that I can only assume was a very worrying time, um, not only for you, but also for your partner and family. It was, yeah, because my partner made the journey to Cork um when my son was being transferred and I suppose he really was traveling into the unknown because like we had never really heard of HIE, we hadn't heard of brain cooling, so we didn't know what was lying ahead for our son. And um, he made that journey and then while he was in Cork, he was the link between me and my son as well. So he was taking in all of that information and doing his best to deliver it back to me and keep me informed as well. And, you know, um, he he just that night he always says he just left for Cork and all he brought with him was a teddy bear because he didn't know where he was going or what was happening and we were really lucky that there was a service um, linked to Cork University Maternity Hospital 
group pulling vans and they actually provided accommodation for my husband um, for the week that he was there. So that did make things a little bit easier. You know, he could come and go from the hospital then while he was waiting for me to arrive as well. Okay, and th that, from what you tell me, sounds like a very good service, very useful to, to families who are going through this. And that's a, a, a totally volunt voluntary service, is it, Laura? It is, yeah. It's completely dependent on volunteers and donations, and um, it provides free accommodation to families and loved ones who have, like, people in the university hospital and in the university maternity hospital. And really, I suppose it was God sent to us because um, my husband stayed there for the week. And then when I arrived in Cork, I spent three nights in the maternity hospital there. And then I stayed with my husband in the um, in Brew, Cullen Venice as well. So it really made a difficult week easier for us. Okay, that, that, that sounds like a, a great service and support for families. And especially, I suppose, one of the effects of having to travel um, to get this treatment is that you're not only obviously very worried about your little baby, but then there's also the logistical side about traveling, about where you're going to stay. So uh, uh, well done, Brew Columbanus, anyway, for this service. Yeah, um, so just to go back to the uh, actual treatment then, was the, the, the brain cooling successful um, and how is he doing now? Um, yes, thankfully the brain cooling was was successful for our little boy and um, on completion of the brain cooling after the 72 hours they do an MRI and um, that showed that there was no injury to my son's brain so, um, so we couldn't really ask for a better result. And, He's nine months old now and he's doing really, really well. Um, he continues to attend a clinic every four months within um, the maternity hospital in Limerick where he was born. And that just kind of, I suppose, reviews that he's reaching his milestones and that they're, they're keeping a close eye on him. But right now we've no concerns. He's, he's flying it. That's that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, he, he's called Luan. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Laura? It's um, Luan. Yeah. Luan. Very yeah. good. Very good. I'm delighted to hear he's doing well. And of course, I know that with this treatment and when when um, a baby experiences uh, HIE, it is it's very much a, a road that you have to travel with the developmental milestones. But I'm delighted to hear he's doing so well. Um, but just I suppose, what part of the process did you find most difficult going through this uh, with, uh, with your family? Uh, I think the most difficult part was the separation, really, you know, it it started from the minute that Lewin was born and then he was moved to Cork and it really felt like I remember when they came to take me to Cork that this little baby was gone, you know, and we didn't know what was happening. So then as well, part of the brain cooling treatment, it also means that your baby is sedated and their temperature is reduced. So you very limited touch and contact with your baby throughout that time, which was very difficult for us as um, new parents but you know we had really good support from the neonatal nurses on how to to parent Lewin as best as we could given the circumstances and it's also quite difficult to watch your baby go through the brain cooling treatment because you know naturally with the treatment they're cold and they're not fed 
for the duration of that time. So you're longing to comfort them, really. But I suppose there was so much uncertainty around those 72 hours while he was having the treatment. And you're waiting for the MRI to kind of give that final confirmation if things are okay. But in saying that, as difficult as it was to see him today and how he's doing, I'm so grateful that he had the opportunity to have the treatment because without that, we don't know what we would be facing today, you know. So it's we're very grateful while it was such a difficult experience at the time, we're so grateful that he was able to receive the treatment. Yes, and I can imagine... You know that that you weren't able to do a lot of things that a a, um, a new mother would be able to do, like the, the initial skin to skin, um, and just that bonding, I suppose, really in the first few hours. But yeah. as you say yourself, you know, I suppose it, it's it's a sacrifice you make for the the, the treatment that um, that he went through, and and thankfully has come out the other side and is doing so well. Um, but I suppose. I'd wonder what advice or suggestions would you give to the HSE, Laura, that you feel would assist parents who find themselves faced with this situation? Um, the first thing I would say is to consider access to this treatment. You know, it's it's a potentially life-saving treatment and the current service that's available, it's just not good enough. You know, it, it wasn't good enough for my son and it's not good enough for any of those babies who are really just at a geographical disadvantage. You know, and I think the HSC coming out the other side of the treatment, then I think the HSC also need to consider how to streamline services for those children who have received brain cooling. Because what I have experienced is there's a lack of information available to families, but also to the healthcare professionals about this treatment and the risks which are more likely to occur for children who've had the treatment. So, you know, I've experienced it myself and where GPs and public health professionals, they're not aware of, they're, they're not, I suppose they haven't come across this treatment before. So therefore they don't know what heightened risks are there for children. And, you know, you're kind of advocating all the time that your child isn't really going to fall through the cracks there and that, while for me at the moment my son is doing really well, but it's always going to be something that happens for him and that's going to be at the top of our agenda. So if the HFC could look at how they, they captured that information for those children, I think it would be really useful as well. Absolutely. And um, I know, and you probably know yourself as well, Laura, that the first report documenting uh, the number of babies that went through this treatment over 2016, 2017. It was only published last November. And one of those, one of the recommendations from that report suggested that an e-register be set up similar to the UK where they have the TOMI register. And really it's, it's a body, it's going to be a body of information so that, um, all healthcare providers and families, they, that you can gather the information and going forward it's it's going to be vital for progressing the treatment and uh, helping children um, go forward because yes the brain cooling is essential but it's as as we say ourselves it's it's a lifelong process you do have to watch the developmental milestones and give the right supports afterwards so i'd just like to thank you laura 
for taking the time to speak to me this morning um, and for sharing your experience. And I'm absolutely confident that it's been beneficial for many parents listening uh, to this podcast. And I wish you and your family and, of course, little Luan, all the best for the future. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Indian Carmel. Thanks for having me. Wow. And thank you to Laura for sharing her story and indeed to Carmel for conducting the interview. We will put a link to Carmel's petition on change.org, which currently sits at 4,048 signatures. We're hoping to get this above 5,000 in the week soon. We have reached out to Simon Horace, who is the Minister of Health, but we have yet to get any response from him but this is certainly something that we will continue to highlight so we will put a link to carmel's facebook page her change.org account and her twitter handle and in the description below and we'll also put our own contact details facebook pages and we would absolutely love if you would subscribe to our spotify account which is disability ireland so that brings an end to this week's episode big thank you for listening and we will be back next week with episode four so see you next week bye bye